0: Curious Conversations about Sex is brought to you by Curious Creatures, who run a variety of workshops on self development and sexuality in Australia. My name is Raj. So, with me today is Lee Harrington. Uh, welcome to the show, Lee. Lovely having you here. I wonder if you'd be able to introduce yourself a little bit for us.
1: Absolutely. It's great to be here. I am a sexuality and spirituality educator based in the United States. And my passion for the past 20 years as an author, as a speaker, as a coach, has been about authenticity and about connection with ourselves and with others, whether it's talking about how we can have more fun hanky-panky in the bedroom, or whether we're talking about the authenticity of our own gender experience, or whether we're talking about self-love.
0: Mm, oh, nice! I'm so intrigued about what you say about the authenticity of our own gender experience. And mm. mm. um, I also can't help noticing, as we speak, the uh, the podcast listener doesn't have the privilege of being able to uh, see each other like we can. But I notice we've got identical nail
1: polish on. Oh my gosh, that's amazing! <laughs> yes, I am. Uh, uh, I, I joke that I'm a gender adventurer. But because uh, people ask, like, what's your gender? And I'm like, yes, I think I have gender. I think gender is a thing for sure. me. Sure, check uh, out, probably have one. <laughs> right, I, I probably, but not everyone does, right? Not everyone embraces that experience for themselves. But uh, I, I decided after 15 years away, I medically transitioned 15 years ago from uh, being seen in the world as female to, to male. I decided after 15 years, I wanted to have acrylic nails on again. So it was, uh, it's really interesting to be a bearded gentleman walking down the street with fingernails. Oh. Uh, it's, and to have that understanding that even though I'm not a transgender woman, to have an understanding of some of both the joy that is experienced, that gender euphoria, in combination with really vitriolic hate speech.
0: That comes
1: one block down the street later yeah and uh, and yeah, so it's it's really fun to have and simultaneously a really surreal and sometimes sad moment all mixed together. We're
0: at such an incredible time at the moment with regards to gender like whatever fluidity, adventurousness mm-hmm. change options diversity um, I I, I really resonate with what you're saying. Sometimes it feels like there's just so much freedom and fluidity, but there's also so much hatred and vitriol. Um, looking at it from a really zoomed out systems perspective, um, we're just in a really chaotic moment of change at the moment, and it's going to have to resolve, like, I don't know, five or ten years. If you look at cultural change on that scale, it'll settle. But, oh, it's just,
1: it's a bit filthy at the moment. It's a it's a dark place, actually, Um uh, so I, like I said, live in the United States, and my partner and I have had to have the conversation of when do we pull the plug on living in a country where me existing is illegal. And uh, I've I've had conversations with folks about teaching in certain parts of the Middle East and whatnot, where literally me existing is illegal, both as a transgender man, as well as somebody who's HIV positive. And Aye. depending on where I am in the world, like my literal existence is policed. And watching in the United States, my partner's from a uh, one state over from where I'm based right now, I'm in Colorado and they're based in Nebraska. And, or originally from Nebraska, and we joke about it as we cross over the state line. The joke is, well, I feel some of my rights vanishing, <laughs> like just as we're driving from one kilometer to the next kilometer, suddenly the capacity to be free individuals and the complexities of who we are mm. changes by right crossing there, an imaginary line in the sand.
0: Right there in the land of the free. You're saying you're not yeah. free. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's horrible yeah. what you're saying i'm sorry to make a joke
1: about it it's just no but it's true but i, it's, I, I but can't do scream or do something and relieve tension. it's just and, ah but if we look at laws and and social standards the difference between you know perth and queensland you're going to have a different cultural yeah. experience whether it's around gender whether it's around how who you love and how you love and whether it's multiple partners or being in certain gender orientations or whether it's the powerful act of saying i don't want to have any partners i'm happy with just me i am valid full and unto myself if i'm somewhere like sydney people are like okay that's that's quirky but weird fine you're on king street no one cares um yeah but if you're in smaller towns it's like well, what's wrong with you? Why, why don't you want a partner? Are you okay?
0: Yeah. I mean, this yeah. is in
1: the U.S., but my, I grew up with my mother after divorce. My mother dated for a short period of time, and then she made an active, conscious choice. You know what? I'm good. I'm a really good partner for me. I'm a really good friend for me, and I've got great close friends. I don't need to date. Mm. I don't need to get married again. I'm solid and her family would look at her and be like well someday you'll want someone yeah or or you'll be so much happier if you start seeing someone again
0: yeah yeah it's um i mean it's funny like um listeners to the show who've um familiar with um guests i've had on recently um we've had a lot of conversations to this effect around acceptance and non-acceptance but it feels like what's happening in the states at the moment is just at that next level and finally not finally uh, my little circle of friends we've just welcomed someone over here last weekend who is a refugee from the states who's just um not a straightforward person in terms of like gender identity, gender attraction, poly models, and things like that. Um, so, yeah, they're in the process of making the escape, and now we're working mm-hmm. on how we get their partner over here, and that, that whole um, exodus has, has started to happen. Yeah. Um, I want to get on to your talking about your most recent book a little bit, but, um, yeah, gah.
1: Yeah, right? Gah, right? Well, and I, I think, so my new book is called, uh, is, is called Becoming Your Own Beloved. A yeah, yeah. To, uh, a guide to delighting in self-connection. and self connection. And for me, these things are interwoven with each other, right? If I am going to be my own friend, hmm. would I tell my friend right now to live in Florida? No. Yeah, gotcha. Right? Huh. Um, if I'm being my own family member, would I find ways to make sure that my family member is safe? to so going let's, um, home
0: so do yeah. you want to walk us walk us through it a little bit from the from right. the beginning like like what's what's the model you're proposing here um yeah talk us through it
1: so uh, about 13 years ago I had just gotten divorced I'd started medically transitioning as a transgender person and I met this amazing being who told me about how they'd gotten married to themselves and my brain was blown away I was like what? Like, tell me more about this. Like I just gobbled up their knowledge and I decided, you know what? I want to be a better friend to me. I want to be even a partner in life with me because I mean, we talk about people that we see as being death to us part, but literally, right? Literally death to us part. Like I woke up and I see me in the mirror, right? Like I'm right there and uh and so this book came out of conversations i had after i started this process people looked at me and said oh i saw you had a wedding ring what's that about like did you get remarried and i'm like well funny story kind of yeah <laughs> kinda yeah but it was that i'd gotten a ring as a way to make a promise to myself mm. right as a way to commit to myself
0: well so like vows
1: to yourself and everything yeah, but it started out, I got, I got myself an engagement ring, because I'm like, you know what, if you're going to do it, just do it, right? If you're going to do the cake and everything, let's do it. And uh, I got myself an engagement ring that I'd inscribed what my vows were going to be on the inside. And I looked at the ring and had an existential crisis, because I realized that I might say no. Huh. Because I realized I didn't even really like me sometimes.
0: Huh. Right? Huh. Because <laughs> the default, I, I love what you just did to my brain. The default is that if you're going to propose to yourself, of course, like, you know what the answer is going to be. It's all straightforward. And there's this sense of like, well, of course, we're all like, we, we love ourselves and we nurture ourselves. But no, no, we don't actually. And if you're being honest about would you marry yourself, marry yourself? You'd be like, actually, I've got a lot of loathing and hatred and bits that I don't like, or I don't know.
1: Yeah. And, and mixed in with that, it's, I mean, realizing not just that I didn't like myself, that I had a lot of points where I needed to get to know myself better. Huh. Where I, yeah, exactly, right? Like I, yeah. I did the exact same thing. I looked at that ring and went, huh. Let's and just take it. It's sad. I kid you not. I sat on my computer desk for four months. Wow. Let's just give the listeners
0: um, five seconds of silence to contemplate the question Would you marry yourself at this point in time? Fascinated to, to hear what everyone's thinking at the moment. Huh. Yeah. Because yeah, thinking about myself, I'd be, yeah, that's complicated. There's some, there's some it's, things I do that I don't like. There's some aspects of right. myself I don't like.
1: I mean, uh, I have a chapter in the, in the book that when I started finally writing it, one of the chapters that took the longest to write, it just sat there for a long time um, is on forgiving the partner that is yourself. Right. Um Because I know I, I don't know about you, but I say things to myself sometimes I would never let another human being say to me. Oh, constantly. And
0: holding myself to standards and uh, doing that thing where you replay back things that you've said or things that you've done (laughs) and just like look at them through the worst possible light in a way that I would never do for anyone I care about. In fact, I would never do it for anyone on the planet. I'd be like, cut someone some slack. Give them some grace. They were having a little moment. We're all humans.
1: Right. Exactly. But I wasn't doing it for me and I still occasionally don't. And so oh, if we look at these as relationships, whether it's a friendship or a partnership or a coworker, yeah. would you do better by you? if, like, For me, for example, I recently rearranged my whole office space. I'm, I'm in a one bedroom apartment, but I rotated everything around because I realized I was staring at a wall eight to 10 hours a day, just like constantly Mm -hmm. at a wall. Right. Mm -hmm. And I realized I needed to be able to at least behind my computer screen, see something beautiful. And if I was back in cubicle land and I saw somebody with a blank cubicle that they were staring at all day long, I'd be like, oh, are you going to be putting up pictures? Are you, do you want to have a calendar up? How do we want to modify this? You need a better chair. But I wasn't asking that of me. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Um,
0: yeah, uh, yeah. go li- for it. Li- likewise, I, I, I'm just still thinking about that idea of like the, the, the chatter and the self-loathing towards myself. And if mm. I had a friend or a partner talking to me in any of those ways, I'd find a moment to sit down and just go, hey, uh, I enjoy being in relationship with you, but I have concerns about these particular ways you talk. Uh, to, my, to, to me. And yeah, turning that around as a, as a self-dialogue about self-criticism. Oh my God, I love this. I'm going to have some relationship conversations with myself after this recording.
1: <laughs> well, that's one of the things I decided to do with this book is people uh-huh. started about 13 years ago asking me about this thing, right? Because I think it's my 12th anniversary, or no, 11th anniversary coming up shortly. 12th? 12th. Anyway, I'll look it up. Um, but I started having these conversations and one of the things I ran into with folks is if you say things like, you know, what are some of the hard, you know, what are some of the things you need to forgive yourself for people just draw a blank. It's, it's like when you say to somebody, you should learn how to communicate better with your partner. It's like, and okay. <laughs> what am I supposed to do with that? You gave me no instruction manual. You just said communicate better. Yep. And so yep. I started coming up with ideas for friends or for clients or for whatever to to figure out some of these things for yourself. How do you get to know yourself better? How do you build forgiveness? How do you make sure that when you're dating someone else, you don't forget about you? Right. Like mm. those kinds of things. Oh, that's a classic, that's like, where uh... the came from.
0: Classic, like uh, from poly model of like uh, when you fall into new relationship energy with one person, mm-hmm. with a new person, how do you make sure you're are staying present, and staying true to existing partners? So likewise, yourself, how do you exactly? And that entire out?
1: chapter, that entire <laughs> chapter is on new relationship energy. Right. And I even refer to it that way. Like I'm like, you know what? There's this concept that when you first get involved with and I break down these definitions that I've learned through the world of polyamory. <laughs> And apply them to the notion of self-relationship when in relation with others, whether those are the people that you play rugby with or whether those are, you know, your four partners or whether that's your best friend who's going through a really hard time and you're not spending any of your energy on yourself. You're doing nothing but taking care of your friend who's having a hard time.
0: Wow. Um, I love it. Um what have you discovered maybe this is even like a question for both of us and uh, i'm happy to yeah. go first if you'd like because i've um, had a little think about it before I, I was just uh idly thinking about what are the things that we personally do for self-care like what what's uh, self-dating and self-care and self-marriage look like for us um i don't know do you wanna
1: yeah i can throw out a few um one of them is making sure to spend some energy prioritized on me. And I'm not talking about time necessarily, because that comes up too, right? That idea of leave some time every week for yourself. But sometimes life is busy, right? Sometimes you've got 14,000 things happening and a whole bunch of friends who are going through hard times. And you have yeah, sometimes. Whatever. Just sometimes, but, yes. Is it just sometimes? But in those windows to say, for example... When you know somebody's just like I can't get off the couch, everything's horrible. It's like cool, let's order dinner. And then me, as an act of self care, I give two options, both based on what I want. Right. So this notion of weaving self care into the subtle spaces, not just the big ideas of me needing, oh, I'll I'll go on a vacation with myself, or every year on my anniversary, I have an anniversary date. Um, there's that. But I, I think for me, one of the biggest pieces has been finding the subtle ways to do this, not just the grand ways. So having my favorite tea available to me um, at all times. Like I just, I travel even with my my favorite cinnamon apple tea, like those kinds of things as a way to show that I care about me Mm -hmm. with -hmm. the little steps.
0: It's beautiful. As you're talking, I'm imagining uh, if that was an act you were doing for an external partner. She's like, what a sweet little thing. You're going Mm -hmm. traveling together or whatever, and you always take uh, the apple and cinnamon tea bags for them. It's just like, it makes so much sense when you think of it in relationship context like that. It's like, oh, how sweet. But yeah, of course, do it for
1: yourself. Yeah. Because... Yeah. What about for yourself? What's one or two of your things?
0: Um, Yeah. um, Yeah. I'd I'd love to get your take on whether these rates, I, um, I mean, I guess the biggest one for me is I have a chronic fatigue and depression background. And when things get too busy and hectic for me, or if I'm in the middle of like jobs or houses or relationships that are not working for me, uh, my depression will take me down and chronic fatigue will take me down. They pair together beautifully. Um, so I've gotten a lot better at spotting the early signs of that and welcoming, um, welcoming that drop in so it doesn't have to come in so violently. So one of the reasons I love working for myself, um, I'm looking around my lounge room at the moment because I work from home, is I can take naps and rest and disappear and and, and go for a jog, uh, anytime I want. So that to me feels like an incredible act of self-care. I mean, it took a couple of decades to get to a position where it was that smooth, um, but, yeah, I don't know. That's one for me. Um, I like disappearing off to what I call the forest office, which is that even if I can't get away from work, I can at least be doing it in a national park in my camper van, um, surrounded oh, by nature. And going forwards. I
1: love that. Oh, my gosh. Yes, I love
0: that. <laughs> um, and I also like um, setting up deliberate, like, um, sex dates with myself, So where I I give myself the leeway to, I have like a mixed relationship with porn, I'm aware that there's pluses and minuses to the consumption of porn. Um, And so I I once set myself the mission of radio, you can watch whatever you want to watch, but you're not allowed to come in an ejaculative way for three hours. Uh, And that forced me to just like discover all these different styles and forms of pleasure and just like, Oh, baby,
1: you're taking your time with yourself. You're not just like rushing to the end. I so I don't know. That. What do you, what, what do you think? Does this I think those are great as somebody who also lives with often invisible disabilities, finding the ways that it's one of the things that those of us who've lived with disabilities have, are bringing to a temporarily able-bodied audience because everybody's temporarily abled. Fast forward enough years and you'll eventually get there. Um, but, that's,
0: that's such an important point. And so much of the sex we see is modeled around bodies that work in a particular way and do a particular yep. thing. And good luck if you get too much of your sexual identity bolted onto that.
1: Right. right. Well, one of the ones that I've come up with for myself, for, so I dance with mood disorder adventures as well, but I also have my, my hips um, and, and lower back slip out of socket um, at times. and. I wanted to still have a thriving sex life and just see friends, but I live on a second floor apartment. I can't get to people when I I can't go up and down stairs. That's not real. And one day, one of my play partners, one of my lovers said, well, you could just toss me down the keys and you don't have to do anything. You could just lay there and be a pillow princess and sing like in a playful way, right? And I'm like, I could just throw you down the key. Like it was this this like aha moment that I literally had never occurred to me, open up the windows, toss it. Cause I had enough energy to, or capacity to go six feet, right. To go two or three meters and, and get back to bed. I did not have the ability to go up and down a flight and a half of stairs
0: oh, um,
1: yeah. or down and up. And so this notion then of self care in erotic connection with others can equal taking care of our bodies, but still having a thriving sex life. Or if it is solo self-care, then the idea that when I'm with myself and my body is doing that, and because of that, I'm not going to have a sort of orgasmic ending to an experience just because of pain. Mm. Um, non-consensual. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but that if that's the case, know what can be so luscious, enjoying my sin. And I don't just mean like touching yourself with you know furry things, which is excellent, right? Is absolutely excellent. It's one of the reasons I have long fingernails right now. Is is that kind of eroticness to it? Uh, but I'm also talking about closing my eyes and tasting the coldness of the water as it comes between my lips and lands on my tongue, and be present with it rather than. Rushing full speed ahead towards some sort of consumption of my own perceptions. What's it like to be in my perceptions rather than cataloging them and running by?
0: Wow. Uh, that's hot uh, just to communicate for the listener who didn't get to see me have that little like shiver of an orgasm I just had as you were describing the cold water between your lips. That was um, uh, um, a good visceral example. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> hey there, listener. I'd like to make you a little proposal I love making this podcast for free, because it helps me spread the word about sex positivity. But I could use your help in spreading the word just by sharing this episode if that's not too absurd. For every 10 stories that you listen to, please recommend it to someone that might like it too. (laughs) This is not a real contract, for you got no say. I would if I could frame it some other way. And if sharing's not for you, that's fine. There's nothing to do. Please listen without guilt to this podcast I built. What are your thoughts on broadening out from us uh, for the person who likes the idea of self-care and self-dating and is just coming up blank in terms of, God, where do I start? What would I even do? Um, Have you got any thoughts or
1: suggestions on where someone might start? Yeah, my, my one that I think of is what are some things you have wanted to do with other people, but having that person along ended up messing it up, right? Where it's, a, I've talked to a friend of mine recently, and they said that um, they love thrift shopping, but that when they went with their spouse, that the sh- it, it just was not a good experience. And I'm like, cool, what would it be like to say, this afternoon, I'm taking myself thrifting? Hmm. Hmm. Right? Yep. What would it be like if you went and got your favorite beverage and then you went thrifting or uh, I have another person that I'm dear with that uh, loves going fishing. And so, you know, I encourage them to take the time to go out and go fly fishing as a way to have self time, not as a reason to run away from the world, but to delight in the thing you get to do. Because I think that's where vacations get confused, right? Is are you doing it to enjoy the vacation or to flee a life you don't like? Ah. And so like, it's, it's more the question of number one. Uh, but even if it's little things, I have a, a friend of mine who was just like, I don't have time for any of this stuff. Like when, when am I supposed to do this thing? And I'm like, okay, how long does it take you in your pickup truck to drive from the construction site to pick up your kid from martial arts. How long do you have? And they're like, 10, 15 minutes. I don't remember what they said. And they're like, I'm like, cool. What's it like to get to immerse yourself in the music you love? No one's gonna complain about whatever the genre is. Uh. So whether it's Megadeth or jazz music doesn't matter. (laughs) What, where will you savor an experience? And so I look at those three concepts, right? What is a thing you want to move towards that lights you up? What is a thing that if you do around other people has gets you a little down or it wasn't as excellent as it could have been? And or what can you have in small tidbits that you can savor? Yeah, nice. Uh,
0: And I guess, is it a question a little bit of priorities in that we all have the same number of hours in the week and we just spend them where we spend them. And if we have a sense that we don't have any time for ourselves, is that evidence that we're just not valuing ourselves or prioritizing ourselves enough? I mean, I'm aware that I'm aware that calendars are a very hard, fast, fixed thing. And if you've got like a family or. a
1: Right. And, and I think that it's a complex issue because um, for some of us, Uh, that are, for some folks that I know, I'm an ambivert, right? So I'm both an extrovert and an introvert. I think that I have two different batteries and either one can run out, right? So it's just like, I know I'm completely full on my extrovert side, but my introvert, it needs some care right now, right? So if somebody is an introvert, taking the time to have that solo time Or tandem solo time for people who, say, live in the same apartment, but you'll one of you is in the bedroom and one of you is in the living room. And you're not away from each other, but you're away from each other, right? Even if you're in the same room. Um, So in those cases, solo self-dates really do matter. But I also know people who are extroverts, that if you told them, go fly fishing by yourself in the wilderness, my child. It would be pulling teeth. Yeah, That is not a joy experience. If they're taking along five of their friends and their dog, now it's a joy experience. Yeah,
0: okay. So I guess it's a little bit like uh, trust yourself and your hunches and your desires
1: around what you might like and what you want and just go with them. And experiment because… I mean, I've had people say to me, like, "Hey, you know, Lee, you're not doing enough self, you know, self time. You should have more self time. Uh, you should go for a yoga retreat." And I'm like, "My spine thinks that's dumb. Why? Why would I do that to me? That I, sounds horrible."
0: I I love this. I get I get the sense from what you've written that um, there's um, there's models out there. There's ideas. There's stereotypes on what self care is meant to look like, and it. Those things are often like indulgent weekends away or, you know, going to the spa or whatever else. They're often things that um, maybe, as you say, they might make more sense to introverts or extroverts or neither. Um, They might also be things that tend to make more sense for people who have got ready access to time and cash. And cash. And cash. And you also said something I loved. You said uh, was around um, exploring stuff like I think you said hunting and shooting hoops, not just assuming fem tools. So I wanted to ask. Um, um, sorry, I just threw a, about a hundred questions at you in that last, last <laughs> thing. Let me like see if I can. All pause right, let's see where we go first, one at right. a time. Do you think a lot of self care is focused around fem?
1: Uh, yeah, I think of where it's been marketed. Uh huh. And there's a couple of different layers there. One is this piece of toxic masculine projection that's been handed to so many people who have been socialized male, right? I'm saying socialized because it's like, what are those messages you get from ages six months, hell, one month to when you're 18 years old, right? Like what's these messages? And the number of people I know who are socialized male, who were told things like man up, don't be a sissy, You know, you can do it. You don't need time off. You just need to go out and and, and go back out to the pitch. No, like that, that stuff leaves a story that says, if I care for me, I am weak. And if I am weak, I am broken. And if I am broken, in some cases, I will literally be beaten or experience other forms of harm. And so like that the, using then words like self-care. It's why I in the book, I think I use self-care a handful of times. I use self-love only a few. Mostly I have talked about relationship with you. because yeah. words like love and care for folks I know who, who were socialized male, like seeking care, especially folks I know who are over 35 who have had that, especially, because um, it's shifting. It's shifting. Uh, Yay! Yay! So it's
0: like, I I, I love what you're saying. It's like, um, if you look at that that standard model of how male type people are socialized, uh, toxic masculinity in particular, that is a model of constantly demonstrating strength and having your shit together and not showing vulnerability and not asking for help and all of that kind of stuff. Um, And so what you're actually proposing is a a pretty radical form of activism. It's a pretty radical intervention against that. Um, It's more exploring the territory of saying, yeah, no, it's okay not to be that. It's, It's okay to need time just to look after yourself and admit that you need to.
1: Well, not admit in my opinion because admit sounds like it's a, a weakness a fault ah, a flaw. yeah good catch in the same way that yeah. when i first started having spinal issues more re- uh, regularly as an adult i was like well i guess i admit that i have to lay down and i'm like or you could say i'm gonna lay down yeah i could move <laughs> so bads from the story and just say this is it yeah this is what we got this or is I what c- we're doing
0: or i can't um, wait to lie down i'm so excited about yeah. lying down
1: right where is what is it like to embrace joy in our life rather than only lift up our suffering? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: And well, I, but I, I think one of the things with this concept of self-care, self-relationship, self-love, all of these intertwining concepts that don't always align, not everybody, not everybody who's building a self-relationship is going to have self-love. That might not be there, right? Um, but self-friendship and self camaraderie might be there, which can be adjacent to love, yeah. right? Steps Um, towards or but I'm just saying that love is not a thing that every and I specifically want to say that because I know people who are aromantic in the same way there are people who are asexual. There's nothing wrong for not wanting to have sexual partners. It's just sometimes assumed by culture. Same Mm -hmm. thing with romanticism, like there's a lot of folks who go, Oh yeah, romance, but that's not part of every culture. Mm -hmm. And when we talk about like who has this these concepts been marketed to, it's not just people who are And I say that not just women, people who are socialized female, but specifically femme women, socialized female, so cisgender women, who are usually over the age of 30, who are also have money and who are also white. Mm, And when we layer those things on each other, it's like, who are we leaving out of the dialogue?
0: Yeah, so I'm um, uh, so glad you brought that up. I was wanting to, um, we, we've spoken about the negative impacts of that on people socialised men. Um, yeah, people socialised women. There's also just like that that fem model of self-care, that's also very narrow cast. Um, as mm-hmm. you say, it's it's generally white. It leaves a bunch of people out. It's almost always uh, people who are stereotypically beautiful um, mm-hmm. and it's almost always people who are calm, somehow professional, perhaps <laughs> um, effortlessly running a family in the background. Like, who the hell can meet that? Well, uh, yeah, if, yeah. if, if those sorts of things um, don't happen to be what you're into, then, yeah, it's a really narrow model.
1: Right. Or simply who you are. One of the things I, I ended up putting in the book, and I, I had a lot of conversations with my, um, with my editor about whether to do this exercise or not, but um, is there's a list of demographics points, right? Whether it's, you know, your... Uh, your immigration status, whether it is your current or former incarceration history, whether it is uh, your assumed, uh, whether it's, you know, your assumed race based on color, whether it is um, economics, whether it's at levels of education, whether it's any of these things, right? And it's it's a page and a half, two pages of like just concepts. And then goes, well, when we meet someone, we project on them saying, you know, oh, that person looks tired. They probably didn't sleep enough. We're telling stories all the time. But what are the stories I'm telling myself when I look in the mirror based on the demographics I happen to live with and or delight in living with, right? And so, I because I have had time as somebody who did not grow up with a large amount of wealth um, and has had periods where I was unhomed Having like there were moments where I was like, God, I clearly don't love myself and I clearly can't do good self-care because I can't live the vegetarian and or vegan diet that I want to. And I'm like, yeah, because you can't afford food. It's not that you're not doing self-care, it's that you can't self-care your way out of poverty. Like Mm -hmm. that's not that's not how systems of oppression work. And so I included it in the book because I want people to start being able to look at themselves and go, oh, some of the ways that I'm being marketed to in the case of things that are floral and purple and, you know, smell like roses or whatever it is, right? Whether it's how I'm marketed to or whether it's how I'm seeing myself or whether it's how people are projecting at me all day long and then I get to spend the energy pulling myself up out of their projection. These are all part of how we form relationship with ourselves, And I think it's important to note that we are not who other people think we are. And we also might not be who we think we are until we actually have those conversations.
0: Huh. Can I just repeat back to you what I think I'm hearing you saying, like in my own words, and let let me know if I'm understanding you properly here. Is it a little like, um, We've got a stereotype in the world of what success looks like and what normal looks like. And it's, you know, it's a suburban housey type of situation or, or whatever. It's someone that's um, uh, able in an economic way and has a stable partner kind of a situation and has, um, can afford clothes that are somewhat near fashionable. So that whole, that whole cluster of things. It's very easy to assume that that person is doing a good job of self care. Mm. compared to, say for instance, someone you mentioned, uh, homelessness, um, someone who's not in a position to have all those things. Are you effectively saying, yeah, self-care is it's not limited to... I mean, we all, we all start from such different spots, from such different backgrounds. And yeah, you can't measure how well one is doing in terms of self-care based on how successful one is or said a little differently just because you don't have um, all of those access to all of those trinkets and whatnots doesn't mean you're not in a position where you can't do self-care. Let me say that with less double negatives. You're still able to do um, your own rituals of self-care within the capacity of what you've got available?
1: That, and I would also honor an extra layer of it, which is how do you define success? Because I know for me, because I've done that rat race brain, Um, Before I chose to leave the nonprofit world where I was like, okay, I have a choice of going into doing contract projects and working in the world of adult sexuality and all this and, and, and adult education, or I can stay somewhere safe. I can stay somewhere with a career path. I was a database administrator. Like I had a career path laid out for me. Um, And then I realized I like did the math out and went, If I follow this map of success, right, suburbia, 2.3 children and a dog, whatever the story is, I always worry about that 0.3 child. Mm. I really worry about that child. (laughs) Are you okay? Um, But I mapped that out and realized I would be miserable. And if I'm looking at how I care for me, if I ended up in that place, That's actually not what success looks like. That's not what thriving looks like. Thriving is having random, you know, unwashed hippie friends of mine over to play music on a Friday night and, you know, occasionally go out to a dance club or occasionally go to a kinky or poly or whatever gathering and go camping every once in a while. And if I never have to set my foot, feet into a classically wealthy home again, I know how to speak that language and I've got good suits, but that's not where my body uh, elates. Uh, uh, that's a And beautiful. so like that notion, yeah, that notion of like, what does success look like for you? What does self-thriving look like for you? What do successful relationships with you and with others look like? yeah right For you nice rather than the assumption
0: yeah, so it's like um there's the um there's the standard model of what success and self care and happiness is meant to look like, but we really need as part of our own little uh, mission plan to create a list of well what 's important to you, what are the things you value, and like I know from my workshops, the stuff that people tend to come up with is stuff like health, happiness, friends, friends that care, friends that are there for me, friends that I like, um, community. And yes, I need some level of economic stability, career, maybe. Yeah. Do I always like being at work? Yeah, yeah, maybe. (laughs) Uh, And so I guess your point is like, make sure you're assessing your um, efforts around self dating and self care around your list of what's important, not just like the default
1: exactly and honestly my partner both of us are are deeply spiritual people but on different spiritual paths Mm. and one of their deepest self-care things is going to shul and praying and spending time like in deep meditative connection with god at their synagogue like that's that is deep work for them and that is self-care and i'm like wow that is not my relationship with how i interact with the divine but I'm so glad you have that space. Mm -hmm. And occasionally I'll look at them and be like, so I have this self-care list from you, right? Where it's like, if you have not been well recently, have you gone and prayed? Have you gone fly fishing? Have you cooked food for friends? Like, Literally, I had them make me a list of their self-success tools Mm -hmm. so that when they, as my partner, are having a bad day, I can pull it out and be like, would you like to look at the list Mm -hmm. Um, instead of me saying something like you should go for a bike ride. That's one of mine, Mm -hmm. not one Mm -hmm. of theirs. Mm -hmm. Right. Because yeah, I was prone to projecting on partners until I figured out, Oh wait, not only do I have to assess compared to culture, I have to make sure I'm not projecting my needs on someone else's because if you are the person who goes to yoga retreats, do it. Yoga is an amazing ter- uh, tool, especially if you look at the complexities of it across thousands of years of history. It's an amazing technology and spiritual system. Go for it. Do so- it. Thrive. So- and don't tell all of us we need to do it too.
0: Yeah. So it's almost like being client-centered in terms of um, like the counseling skill of like, forget what you think you know about how life is meant to be. Just follow the, the client's cues around what's right for them. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're essentially saying, do the same for yourself. Be client-centered with regards to your own self-care. <laughs> like uh, throw out the idea of what it's meant to look like.
1: Yeah. I, I love that language for it. Yeah. Spot on. Spot on. <laughs>
0: Cool. Um, you mentioned a thing around uh, forgiving yourself for missteps. So for, I guess, mm-hmm. like for, for things done wrong in the past or, you know, regrets or whatever else. What are your thoughts on contacting people from the past and apologizing for things?
1: So the. I've, I've never been a 12 step person, uh-huh. Um. But that notion of of doing the forgiveness step amongst the 12 steps uh, is one I've seen a number of people do over the years. And I think for my own personal stuff, it becomes a question of who are you centering? If you were a person who caused harm to someone else, are you re-traumatizing them out of your desire to feel better about yourself? Because that is different. Then, uh, for example, I got involved with various communities under the age of 18 and with a fake ID, which which it just wasn't what it was, right? And so as an adult, 10 plus years later, I went back to all the producers of those parties, of those whatever, and I said, are you available for a conversation? And they're like, what about? And I'm like, here's the generality. And they're like, not available today. And one said, nope. And another one said, yes, thank you for asking.
0: Yes, so so you can frame a little bit about what the nature of the conversation is going to be to then get informed consent and, again, being client-centered, see if it's in their interests to have that conversation
1: and those emotions at this time or not. Exactly. And then it also when the person said no, I felt really errr about it. And I was just like, oh, well, what's wrong with them? I'm just trying to say I'm sorry. And then I caught myself and went, oh, you're trying to say you're sorry for – you actually don't care what their feelings are. Mm. sit with that before you go any further Mm. so for me that's a big way that i look at it yeah nice nice um this might be a little outfield but um do you have any
0: thoughts on how self-care crosses over or doesn't with our um say deep queer and trans communities how how do you see self-care playing out within our communities
1: oh yeah i mean a lot of really interesting ways one is that we've already talked about is is um uh uh, the notion of fiscal equity, right? Like how much access do we have to some of the technologies out there? Uh, but I think it happens in some really beautiful ways, like uh, people who live in uh, collaborative homes and, and uh, com- uh, compounds, communes, et cetera, et cetera, uh, who create space for each other to all have, like, When you've got six kids and 12 dirty queers and all raising each other's offspring, somebody can now go out and go fishing. And they know their kids are okay. That is one thing that I love about collaborative queer community. I really do. Mm -hmm. Um, Another one that I think is amazing is the power of you're not alone. It can be really tricky for some of our brains, for those of us who dance, especially with depression, being part of the the fruit flavored salad of our skulls. um, It could be really tricky to say, oh yeah, I love myself or I deserve this or whatever. But if somebody else says, it's like this mirror through someone else's eyes, that I think, especially trans folks for other trans folks, but, but people on the margins of all kinds of ways do for each other. And it's, one of the things I find a little challenging sometimes, I, I've been converted to being a RuPaul's Drag Race person. Um, it just is. Uh, I was not originally a devotee. I am late to the game, but, um, but RuPaul has this thing that they do uh, at the end of like a little catchphrase. That's, you know, if you don't love yourself, you know, how are you gonna love somebody if you don't love yourself? And I couldn't parse for a while, while they, why that felt weird. And I figured it out, which for myself at least, which is that for some of us, we can't figure out how to love ourselves until we have somebody else say, You deserve to exist. You deserve to be alive in Mm -hmm. a world where people walking down the street might literally beat you for existing. You deserve to live. And having somebody else say that to us can be the the game changer on starting to build a positive relationship with ourselves through somebody else, simply saying, you deserve to exist. You don't have to be part of a capitalist society to do. You don't have to be part of anything. You simply deserve to exist. And that's, that can be game changing for some of us.
0: Mm, Nice. Nice. Um, You deserve to exist and deserve to be safe. Yeah. Mm. Um, this is a, a really outfield uh, question. Um, uh, the question is, um, what are your thoughts on lateral violence within our communities and how that relates to self-care? I'll just do a, a little tiny bit of an explainer for folks who aren't familiar with the concept of lateral violence. So my understanding, which could very easily be wrong, is that this is concepts and language which came from black communities in particular in America. Um, almost in response to the question of why does there seem to be more crime and more violence within those communities? And the idea of lateral violence is that the mainstream oppresses a particular group and treats them with violence. And then um, in the absence of being able to express things anywhere else, communities sometimes have uh, a level of um, heightened angst that plays out against uh, each other. It's it's like (laughs) an amazing extra blow on top of the blow that's coming from mainstream. Um, And it happens across um, all, uh, it can be observed across a lot of um, um, demographic groups, like the same patterns can be observed with um, lower class uh, and any other group that's been marginalised. So circling around to what I think of as the deep queer and the trans communities, uh, almost all of us arrive in this community um, having had an experience of marginalisation and implied or actual violence um, from the mainstream. And sometimes we play that out a little between ourselves in terms of a sense of us not being worthy or a sense that others in our community are not worthy and we we judge and assess each other based on gender, um, ironically. Yeah, I have no idea where I'm going with this, but do you have any thoughts on, um, yeah, lateral violence within our um, alternative gender communities um, and how self-care fits into that and self-love fits into that?
1: When I look at some of that, um, I have I have a lot of sorrow, having seen a lot of communities, you know, destroy themselves, and on the flip side, other communities let people remain that are causing harm because they have sort of some sort of sub-community clout or status, minority um, rank or something. Minority, rent. yeah, exactly, exactly, and I, th- I think when when we talk about this notion of what does care then look like, in knowing that that can exist in some spaces. For me, one of the questions I ask is, what am I getting from being around this community? that I can't have, that I don't get from not being around it. Because sometimes the answer is, I don't need to be part of your community. There's a a, assumption sometimes that community assumes a communal unity. Yeah. And there are those of us for whom it does not serve as a place where we experience the communal, nor is there unity. Uh, So sometimes the answer is, create your own spaces Mm. and leave. I don't yeah, want nice. that. I don't want that. And I also acknowledge that when that, those choices are made, I have sometimes made those choices. The next is to ask the question of does changing this community, helping it grow, heal, etc., will that serve me in the long run? the answer for me sometimes, actually oftentimes is yes, because mm-hmm. my self-care is wanting to show up into a space where I can breathe without fear. Because I do that enough in the world at large. And so if I can put in the sweat equity, as it were, to make these changes happen so that I and those who are less marginalized even than myself can show up and be in this and have it be a thing that fuels us rather than drains us, how beautiful. And then also to sometimes say, I mean, I, I think of... Um, uh, some black activists I know up in Vancouver and the notion that they introduced me to Vancouver, BC um, that they introduced me to is the idea that um, it is a privilege to stop being an activist. It is a form of privilege, but what most of us simply need to do is be able to pause, even if it's for one hour mm-hmm. and then come back, mm-hmm. but to mm-hmm. take a break one hour one year whatever it is mm. but that for those of us that you can see on our skin that we cannot blend in and somehow be able to avoid our issues for those of us who can't walk down the street safely simply existing the idea of i'm going to you know i'm going to tap out of community i'm going to tap out of activism is not an option mm. And so I think then in turn, for me, as somebody who has at various points in my life been able to be read as a cisgender person, been able to be read as uh, not as queer as I am person, um, even when I've been in heterosexual relationships, people are usually like, does their spouse know that they're queer? Like I get that side eye look at the, at the um, lumber store, right? Um, but, but that those of us who do have that ability, I think there's this extra layer that it's a responsibility to show up and make it possible for other people to even have a long enough of a breath to take a nap, oh. and that's what actual um, like community care is, right? That what the GoFundMe of the world. Originally that was let's raise money for a black trans sex worker who needs a place to sleep for the night. Which is different than hey can you help us fundraise to start our new startup. To me, part of my self-care is doing the work to support population number 1. Is doing that is part of my self-care. Is doing the work since I carry that form of privilege and that platform
0: i love what you say at the
1: start about
0: sadness thank you for leading me towards the emotional sense of that situation i was being very cerebral with my thinking around that um and yeah as as you said it um yeah my 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 own sadness around the complexity of our community and how sometimes it is the most joyous sense of solidarity and you've got a bunch of other people so who true. can who can normalize you and your and who you are and and what you have rights to and that sense of solidarity and unity can be incredible and i guess i saw yeah sadness and just like recognizing that it's not always like that we are a community that is in process and in turmoil sometimes and in the same way that Um, I mean, I guess for me, the the opportunity that recognising lateral violence, the opportunity that is afforded by that is the opportunity to intervene in patterns of intergenerational violence. So rather than just repeating on what we've been inadvertently taught or what we've been taught by the mainstream and repeating it around us, there's the opportunity there to intervene and, I don't know, get, get more wisdom and perspective on that and rise above it. And in doing so, we become leaders and we become the people who are able to actually turn back to the mainstream um, and ah, interact and interface and... um. Yeah, yeah, uh, and, and I love also what you're saying about some, somehow with, I love your model of, um, um, these are definitely my my words, not yours, but um, if you have the option of not being an activist, you're in an incredible position of privilege. I just love that so much um, as a guide for what life can be like on both sides of the fence. But also somewhere somehow within that, when you are on the side where you're being an activist for a community or a culture or a thing or a group or whatever, You've just got to find moments in there of letting yourself off the hook, somehow finding space because mm-hmm. it is relentless otherwise.
1: Oh, and to find the delight in it uh, for listeners and for yourself, if you are not familiar with the work of Lady Speech Sankofa, um, they are an amazing uh, black, weird, dominatrix slash spiritual leader slash terror. Like they're just, they're all the things. They are so amazing. But Um, one of the things they talk about so beautifully is this idea that our excellence raises up those who we are supporting in turn. Because oftentimes we say statements like, uh, you know, rising tides raise all ships, right? We're lifting for the bottom. But also that includes those of us who are holding those places of privilege. If we, as part of our system, raise ourselves up while helping everyone up to their goals, too, we can do it in both. Like, we can do it in multiple forms. Like, it's just, there's so much opportunity there. But since both of us dance with mental health adventures... um, I worry sometimes that our communities are really mentally unwell because the amount of profound anger and depression and the mania that is the amount of money people spend on pride parades and all of this stuff. I'm like, what would it look like to create I don't know, like safe attachment within our communities? I, I, I don't know, maybe it's rebellious, but like it's a dream I am now dreaming towards mm-hmm. because I look at where my mental health has been over the past 20 plus years. And then I, and through family history as well. And then I look at the behaviors of our communities and go, Oh, what my brain's been doing. This is what that looks like on a systemic level. Yeah. And I would love to see more tools from the mental health world applied into community dynamics. I think it could help a lot of us.
0: Mm, Wow. Yeah. Um, And I guess a part of self-care is recognizing that, um, if you are on the margins, um, and if you don't have certain privileges, you're going to wind up with body symptoms, you're going to wind up with mental health mm-hmm. symptoms, you're going to yep. wind up with some some colourful circumstances to deal with. Part of self-care is going, yeah, hey, look, one way or another, that's yours to deal with. Um, however, let's not be blaming ourselves um, for that stuff, like recognise there's a systemic pressure that creates a lot of those patterns. Stuff
1: comes out in the body. Absolutely. Yeah, sure. our body and our spirit. And even the mythology that the body, the spirit, and the mind are different entities. N- n- no, like that's a very outdated white supremacist European uh, model of coming from an upper class desire to oppress. Right? Like there's there's so much there. Like and and so I, I think it's also worth considering. What would it be like if we think of ourselves as, say, mushrooms? Right. I'm not talking about psychedelics, so there's a bonus there too. In parts, I live in Colorado after after all. Um, (laughs) But um, this notion of mycelium—that the mushrooms are individual things that sprout up over the top—mycelium is all the gunk underneath the ground, right? And. I wonder at times, and the mycelium literally has an ability to like communicate between trees, like mushrooms are magic. Um, But I I wonder sometimes about our communities if we look at them as part of our body, right? That we are but one mushroom sprouting up out of our cultures. Uh, And I think it would be really interesting to look at the health of our mycelium so that when it is fruited out, the mushrooms that we are, when it is fruited out, the fruit, the mushrooms themselves are healthier because the mycelium is being fed. And so instead of just me being an individual, the, I mean, COVID has been a great example. Self-care is communal care. If you are sick, you stay the hell home. Mm-hmm. You are taking care of you and you are taking care of the rest of us. Mm-hmm. And the same thing in the other direction, right? You have the ability right now to volunteer at a soup kitchen. You have now the ability to feed a whole bunch of people literally. And three years from now, you'll never see that ripple. Mm. But that ripple will cause us something beautiful to happen in the world. Mm. And so if we can break beyond just our body being one thing, I think there's some possibility for, for some beautiful self-care, community care, Mm. Wedding
0: lessons. And there's a convenient little bonus built into the system, which is that uh, the one truest path to happiness that we know of is helping other people. So that's a convenient <laughs> little bonus in there. I have hope for our species based on that. So that to me feels like a spectacular spot to end. Just before I, I wrap up, um, uh, is there anything that we've been speaking about? Is there anything else you want to add in? Is there anything you want to um, balance or... I'm asking that question to myself as well,
1: but uh, yeah. I think for me, the concept is start where you're at. You don't have to have the grand gestures, though if you want to do that, that's fine. But start where you're at. What's it like to be your own pen pal or to walk with yourself for five minutes without talking to anyone else or listening to a radio, right? Start Mm -hmm. somewhere and see what kind of relationship you have with you. Maybe it's a friendship, maybe it's a co-workership, maybe it's a romantic partnership, maybe it's something that needs healed right now. Um, and start somewhere, because that's how we have our whole community get better and how each of us levels up along the way. Um, and that's, that's, that's my hope from here. That's my hope from here.
0: Beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and having this uh, chat today. I've enjoyed that so much. Uh, I will leave links in the show notes uh, to your website and your book. Um, And yeah, Lee Harrington,
1: thanks so much for coming on Curious Conversations About Sex. It's been an absolute delight. Thank you so much. And folks can find me all over the internet, whether it's passionandsoul.com, Instagram, Facebook. I'm pretty much everywhere, including over on Patreon, where I have all kinds of resources. I post every single week and classes as well. And I look forward to hopefully connecting with you again in the future. And please keep up the great work. Your show is such a delight. Thank you.
0: I'd love to hear what you thought about today's episode. I've created a forum so you can tell me and also chat with other listeners about it. It's at forum.curiouscreatures.biz, and there's a link for that in the show notes. Once you've signed up to the forum, which is free and takes less than a minute, navigate to groups, and then join the group for Curious Conversations About Sex. And if you liked today's episode, please share it with someone else that might be interested. There's probably a share button right there in your podcast player. Curious Creatures run a variety of workshops, mostly in Melbourne, Australia. We've also got some pre-recorded workshops that you can watch anytime, anywhere. Our workshops are on sexuality, self-development and relationships. You might also want to check out our consent cards. They're a small plastic card with all of the questions you need to ask to give yourself the best chance of getting exactly what you want to the level you want it. There's a version specifically for kink activities and a more general version for everything else. Links to our consent cards are in the show notes.
1: See you soon, friends.